So I'm gonna kinda give you a spoiler alert on the front end. We're gonna talk about Jesus raising from the dead, okay? I know, it's like Easter Sunday, you thought maybe we'd go in a different direction. Maybe you've been here for like the last 10 Easter's and every Easter we talk about Jesus and how he died and then he got back up. And the, the thing about Easter, it's like Christmas, is the topic is always chosen for us. It'd be very odd if we chose to go in a totally different direction, but the cool thing about it is that it never gets old. I actually, I think this is my 10th Easter uh, on this stage here at His Hands, like 10th year in a row talking about Easter, and it never gets old for me because Easter is so amazing. What happened that, that first Easter morning, so unbelievable, so incredible, that you can look at it over and over and over again, and you always see some new angle you always see something that maybe you've never noticed before or you've forgotten about that has major implications for your life. We'll never get tired of, of examining Easter and today we're going to examine it from this perspective. Easter Sunday is the day that fear died. Easter Sunday, it's the day that fear died. Hebrews chapter two, verses 14 and 15 says, because God's children are human beings, Made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had, past tense, the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. That through what happened at Easter, Jesus' death and resurrection, he has set us free from the fear of death. Now, fear is something all of us are well acquainted with. All of us understand fear. Doesn't matter what age, what stage of life. We all get fear, we experience it at a very young age and it tends to define a lot of things for us in our lives. I actually spent a lot of time this week thinking about what are my fears? What are some of the fears of the people around me? And so I'll just be honest, I'll share this. We've all got like surface level fears, those things that if someone asks you, hey, are you afraid of anything you'd feel comfortable sharing? I've shared this many times before, I'm fine with it being out there. I'm afraid of sharks. And, and really like all ocean monsters, because so, how many of you are beach people? You're like, I love the beach, I love going to the ocean. See, I think you guys are nuts. Because like I look at it and I think God could not be more clear that we don't belong in the ocean. We don't breathe underwater. Like it tastes horrible, it's filled with salt, right? You get sunburns and by the way, he stocked the entire ocean with giant monsters, they're everywhere. So like just don't go in there. So I, I'm, a, I'm like a little bit afraid of that. I asked all my kids, I've got four kids because even young children understand fear. I asked each of my kids this week, what are you afraid of? And it was amazing because some of the answers surprised me. My oldest, I knew what his was, he said heights. He's like, I don't, I don't like being really, really up high. It's more falling from heights. I blame my father-in-law for that one because he's 6'5". And when my son was really little, he used to throw him in the air and put him on his shoulders. And I think it was just, it was too high. It was just too high. And so at a young age, he's like, I don't like this. I asked my daughter, who's nine, what are you afraid of? And her answer surprised me. I did not know this. I've never heard her say this. She said, being alone in really large open spaces. And I paused because I was like, really? She said, yeah, I know a lot of people are afraid of being like in tight spaces. I don't like the idea of being alone in a really large space. And I actually think that one's my fault. Because when she was three, I was here at the building with her one day and it was just us and I left and I forgot about her for like two hours. I'm just joking, I never did that, I never did that, I'm just joking. No, I never did that. I, I have no idea where, I have no idea where that that fear comes from. It comes from somewhere, I don't know. 
I asked my, my seven-year-old Judah, what are you afraid of? And he was the most bold of my kids. He said, I'm not afraid of anything. And he said it like definitively. And honestly, for a moment, I believed him because like, this is Judah. And does this look like someone who's afraid of, of anything? No, no, put it back, put it proud. There you go. That's not, no fear in that face. No fear at all. No, actually he is crazy brave. When he was in kindergarten a couple years ago, uh, there was a birthday party he got invited to. And the, the feature of this birthday party was that they had like animals. There was a, like an animal trainer that was there. And the guy walks out with a giant snake. And he says, hey, anyone wanna hold this snake? And all the kids pull back, but my son's like, me. And so right away, he's got the snake wrapped around his body. Some of you are like, that's my greatest fear. That is my nightmare. And he was fine with it. He's really brave. But I know him and I thought about it and I was like, wait a minute, I know you have a fear somewhere. I said, how about this? What about darkness? He's like, I'm not afraid of the dark. I said, okay, so tonight when I put you to bed, he and his little brother share a room. I said, you're okay if I, I turn the closet light off and he's got this cool projector that projects like a space thing on the ceiling and it's kind of bright. I'm like, you're cool if I turn the closet light and that off and just put you guys to bed in the dark. And he kind of paused for a second. It looked at me like he's sizing me up to see if I'm being serious. And he's like, well, I don't want Eli to be afraid. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that's good. And so about an hour later, I'd forgotten all about it. He just comes up to me and he says, hey dad, that whole thing about no lights tonight, that's, like, you're not gonna do that, are you? I said, no, I'm not gonna do that. So there's that one. And then there's my youngest, my five-year-old. And he didn't really know how to answer the question, but I, I think I actually discovered what his fear is about a week ago, week and a half ago or so, because he had this opportunity to go on, an, on a play date with his best friend, Abigail, and they were gonna go play at this gymnastics place where you, you jump on trampolines and just run around and, and have a lot of fun. But leading up to that play date, he was in a, like a mood, like in a mood that needed to change. And so I had this very stern conversation with him right before he, he got picked up to go. Uh, I, said, I said, Eli, you better be good at gymnastics. I said it just like that, you better be good at gymnastics. So in the car, I hear this second hand, he's freaking out on the way to gymnastics, like just losing it. And, and someone asks him, Eli, what's wrong? And he says this, he says, I'm not gonna be good at gymnastics. I've never done it before. <laughs> and so like, when I said you better be good at gymnastics, I meant you better be good as in well behaved while you're at gymnastics. But what he heard was you better be good at gymnastics. Like I expect him as a five-year-old to be proficient as a gymnast, having never done it before. And he's freaking out. So I know now I have a son with a fear of failure, specifically not living up to his father's expectations. So that's great. And I'm sure none of us can relate to that fear, right? I spent this whole week thinking about fear in, this, this, in the context of this idea that Easter is the day fear died. In fact, at our, our table that we all eat at at lunch here on staff, we kind of went around and did the same thing. We all talked about our fears, our surface level stuff. You all have those. And then Madison, who's our youth pastor, Madison's great. There's kind of this pause and he stopped and said, no, no guys, what are you really afraid of? And it got silent just like it just did. And someone finally blurted out, dying young and missing all the great moments of my kids' lives. Like stuff like that started to come out. And all of a sudden it got like, it wasn't funny anymore. It wasn't like, I don't like sharks. I don't like heights, ha ha. It was like, yeah, there's deep fear here. And the truth of the matter is, fear is a pervasive reality for most people's lives. Most people, and I'm not saying you, I'm saying most people 
live lives completely dominated or at the very least heavily influenced by fear, anxiety, insecurity, worry, you name it. Fear is a really powerful thing. And if you could go back to that very first Easter Sunday and try to get into the minds of the followers of Jesus and the aftermath of his death on the cross and, and figure out what was going through their minds, what were they feeling, one word would probably sum it up best and that word would be fear. The disciples were afraid. And they had good reason to be. Their last few days and weeks had been a whirlwind. Just a short time before Jesus was arrested and went to the cross, they watched him resurrect a friend of theirs named Lazarus who had been dead for four days. And this was just the latest in a long string of miracles. They had watched Jesus do miracle after miracle. In fact, one of the very first miracles they ever got to see him do all together happened when they were on a boat. These are experienced fishermen. They're not novices on the water, but while they're on this boat, there's this huge storm. Mark chapter four tells us the story. It says, soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're gonna drown? And Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you afraid? And the answer is like, because we thought we were gonna die. That's why we were afraid. And he says, do you have no faith? In other words, do you not realize who is in the boat with you? Jesus says, why, why be afraid? But that's a, that's a big ask, right? Don't be afraid. Oh, just, just don't be afraid. Oh, okay. There's so many things to be afraid of. And, and the disciples, I imagine after a while, living alongside Jesus must have felt invincible because Jesus looked invincible. The one thing they had never seen Jesus do was lose, was be defeated, but that's what appeared to happen at the cross. He's arrested, he's beaten, tortured, mocked, he's murdered, and they're left for the first time in years without their, without their leader. And without their fearless leader, they're filled with fear. And so we see in John chapter 20, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. That first Easter, where are the disciples? They're meeting behind locked doors because they're afraid. Now, earlier that morning, there's this crazy report that comes to them that says that Jesus is risen, his body's not there. A few of the disciples actually ran and, and checked it out for themselves and, and sure enough, yeah, there's, there's no body, but I mean, rising from the dead, that's, that's crazy. I mean, they'd seen Jesus do that to people, but it's hard for Jesus to raise himself from the dead when he's, when he's dead. And so that reality possibility hadn't really sunk in. They are afraid, they are terrified because logically they assume that what happened to Jesus is about to happen to them. That the same people, the same authorities that had Jesus arrested and killed are gonna do the same to them and they are terrified. But all that changed the moment that they experienced the resurrected Jesus for themselves. We see it happen in the very next sentence. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Now, if that was me, I would have said like, surprise, or something fun. But Jesus, this is a serious moment. And so he actually says this, peace be with you, peace being the opposite of fear. Peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
And this is a turning point in the lives of these men because Jesus sends them out to teach and to proclaim what's happened, who he is, what he's done. And they begin to do that. And they are, they are fearless. They are fearless. The same Jewish leaders that had Jesus killed and arrested and thought that that took care of the problem don't even really know what to do with these guys because they keep telling everyone that Jesus is alive and he's, he's risen and people are believing it. This movement of Jesus is starting to spread. And so the, the leaders, the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders of, of their area get together. They try to figure out what to do and they have these men brought in. We see in Acts chapter four, the men are talking and they say to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything that we've seen and heard. So they're threatened. They keep doing it. They get arrested. They get thrown in jail. They're miraculously let out of jail. They go right back to where they were. This whole thing keeps happening. And in Acts chapter five, it says, then they, meaning the religious leaders, brought the apostles before the high council or the high priest confronted them. This is, this is the guy. This is the guy who has the same authority to have them crucified, the same guy that made that decision with Jesus. And he says, we gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. And then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. And he did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. These are not the words of fearful men. These are the words of people who are fearless. They're fearless. And because they're fearless, they're, they're just unhindered. They're unhindered and unafraid. And from this moment on, they're able to live these lives that are just powerful and focused, meaningful. And we have so much to, to thank them for. Honestly, if not for these men, if not for the men and women who followed Jesus in these early days, passionately proclaiming the truth about Jesus, unafraid of whatever would happen to them as a result, we wouldn't be here today. Their lives had, had genuine impact and power because they lived without fear. What would it be like if we could learn how to live lives unhindered, unencumbered by fear? If we could truly live fearless lives. Now, as we get older, we don't tend to talk about fear so much. We don't use that word, but we do talk about insecurities. We think about worries, doubts, uncertainty, anxiety. We live in a world that's so dominated by fear. And it's funny, I, I really struggled early in this week. I guess I was afraid that I wasn't gonna focus on the right thing. So I was, I was dealing with fear. And so like Tuesday, Wednesday, I was like, man, is this the right thing to focus on? It felt right. Like a few weeks ago when it hit me, I was like, yes, this is, this is what we're gonna talk about. But then leading up to this week, I was like, I don't know. I don't wanna, I mean, it's Easter. I don't wanna mess up Easter, which, you know, cause I'm important enough that I could mess Easter up. Like, right, that's not possible. Jesus is alive. Easter's done. Okay. But like, I, I was genuinely nervous and worried that I was gonna focus on the wrong thing. That was awesome. 
That kid's gonna be on the worship team in just a few years. Cause that's like, hit the note, held it out, I love it. No, I was genuinely worried that I'd pick the wrong thing. And then Thursday, I'm hanging out with a friend of mine and uh, we kind of have this Thursday standing meeting and he has no idea what I'm talking about on Sunday, no idea what the focus is. We're just talking and he says, man, I met with a guy today that had this breakthrough. And so I'm like, oh, what was it? He said, this man told me that he's realized that almost every decision he's ever made in his life has been a decision made out of fear. This guy's kind of like a control freak and anyone in the room have the, the guts to admit that you're kind of a control freak sometimes? Yeah, like control is rooted in fear, right? Because we, we try to control everything because the idea of what would happen if we weren't in control really bothers us. We're afraid of that. And so we try to control everything. I'm, I mean, I've, I'm not gonna confirm nor deny whether or not I have been a control freak in my life. You can just guess. So, so again, I'm dealing with this fear, uncertainty that maybe I've picked the wrong topic somehow. And he's like, man, I just had this guy talk about how his life's been dominated by fear. And I lean in like, oh, I'm, I'm listening, okay. I'm like, hey God, is this like confirmation that this is a real thing that we need to deal with? I hope so, because we already made the graphic. So that'd be great, you know? Like, and, then, and then later that very day, I have a meeting with someone who I love very much. And we're just kind of talking about random stuff. And in this meeting, he just expresses to me that, that sometimes he gets so anxious about what other people might think about him that he freezes up and doesn't even know what to do because he's worried that if he does the wrong thing, other people are gonna think this or think that. And it's not even things that, that people actually have said. It's just his assumptions about what they might think. And he's like, I get so nervous, so anxious about what other people think that I, I freeze up. Some people freeze up, some people overcompensate and they live their entire lives trying to influence the way other people see them and it's exhausting because all they're doing is trying to control what other people think and, and that's fear. And then I end up having this, this conversation with a friend of mine and this is all just happening this week and he just talks about how he's experienced past trauma in a relationship that ended really poorly and it's creating all this anxiety and fear in a current relationship about what he's supposed to do because he doesn't want to experience that same pain again. And so he's like, I know that this is great and it's awesome and this person's awesome, but I'm just so afraid of all that happening again. And so I'm sitting here on Tuesday going like, God, I don't even know if this is what we should talk about. And it's just like fear, 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 fear. All of us deal with this stuff. All of us deal with, with genuine fear and anxiety, but none of that comes from God. None of it. There's so many verses about that. Perfect love casts out all fear. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but, but, but of faith and a sound mind. Like that's the things that God has given us. And yet we live in a world dominated by anxiety, dominated by worry. Jesus actually put it this way, talking about worries. Matthew chapter six, he said, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry, don't be afraid. And that, that, that's, it's one thing to say that, it's another thing to live that out. Like how do you actually live that out? And the answer, and I'm not just trying to be cliched because we're in church and it's Easter, but the answer is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's the resurrected Jesus. I mean, honestly, think about this for just a second. Jesus died. Like he was dead, he was dead, dead. He died 
And then he got back up. He rose to life. Which, which gives credibility to every single promise, no matter how outlandish he made. It gives credibility to all of that. Jesus said things like, whoever believes in me will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That even though we may die physically, we will never die fully because we have a life greater than that waiting for us. Jesus made promises like that. And the fact that he died and rose again, the very thing that we celebrate at Easter means that that stuff is true. And if that's true, like honestly, if that's true, if we don't even have to be afraid of death because Jesus defeated death, then what is there really to be afraid of? Like, like most of our fears, just talking with a buddy about this in between our, our first gathering and this one, most of our fears are ultimately like death. Like my fear of sharks. I'm not afraid of being tickled by a shark. Like I'm not afraid of, of a shark surprising me. I'm afraid of being eaten by a shark. That's, that's, it's death. So many of our fears are, are at the end of the day resulting in some form of death, death of a relationship, death of a career, physical death, but Jesus defeated death. So what is there to be worried about? What is there to be afraid of? What if we lived our lives not, not reflecting and reacting to our fears, not living, responding to our anxieties and our worries and all the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. What if instead we lived our lives like the disciples, responding every single day to the reality of a resurrected Jesus who loves us and is with us? What if we lived like that? How amazing would that be? It'd be pretty good. I can think of, of whole times in my life that I lived out of fear and it never worked out. I mean, like, think about the decisions you've made in your life because you were afraid. How many of those were your best decisions? Like if the answer to why did you do that was I was afraid that blah, blah, blah. And someone's like, well, that was a great decision. You know, I had most of my 20s, I was battling an addiction and no one knew about it because I didn't want anyone to know about it because my greatest fear was being found out, being exposed. And I thought, man, if people know this, they're gonna reject me, they're gonna look at me, they're gonna look down on me, they're, they're gonna feel ashamed of me. And so I lived my life responding to that fear, trying to handle everything on my own, and that did not work at all. It just, it put me deeper and deeper into the addiction. And I should have known better because I know Jesus. See, Jesus is actually the, the appropriate response to every fear you can imagine. Jesus encountered all kinds of people with all kinds of issues and addictions and problems, and not once did he look at one of them and go, ooh, gross. Not one time. We don't have any story like that of someone coming to Jesus and him being like, ugh, like, you know, back away. Like there's this woman that Jesus has an interaction with at a well. It's in John chapter four, if you wanna read it. And she's got all kinds of stuff. And Jesus lets her know that he knows her and like he knows her. He knows all the stuff. And he doesn't give her one ounce of shame, guilt, nothing. Instead, he just, he lifts her up and gives her more dignity than she's ever been given before. And, and she walks away confident and feeling like, like she's of value and importance to God. That's how Jesus responds to us. And I should have known that. And if I would have lived at that, at that season of my life, if I would have lived responding to Jesus and not responding to my fear, I would have gotten help much earlier. I would have had the courage to open up much earlier and I would have started moving forward much earlier than I did. I just, I was living in response to fear. And so I'll go back to that question that, that we asked earlier. What are you afraid of? And what are you, like, what are you really afraid of? 
And whatever that is, it's nothing compared to Jesus. It's, it's just not. Easter Sunday for the disciples was not just the day that their friend rose. Easter Sunday was the day their fear died. What would it be like for us to live lives so undeterred and unafraid that we are able to truly get the most out of every bit of life that we have? What if we could live lives like the disciples after Jesus? Passionate, unafraid, bold, fearless, free. I'll go back to Hebrews chapter two and worship team, you guys can make your way out. Because God's children are human beings, that's, that's us, that's you, made of flesh and blood. The son also became flesh and blood. Jesus has existed long before he became a person, he's God. He became flesh and blood, became one of us, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. The devil doesn't have the power of death anymore. God has that, it's broken, it's done. And only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. And I just want you to know this morning that whatever anxieties, worries, fears, uncertainties you have, let them go. Drop them, leave them here today. Because Jesus didn't come and defeat death so that we could be afraid of things less than death. Jesus didn't come and go through what he went through and, and rise again so that, we could be, so that we could be encumbered by fear and anxiety and worry. He set us free. He set us free. I don't know about you. I can't speak for all of us. Not all of us have, have made decisions about Jesus. I hope that you have. But I've decided that I believe in Jesus. I believe that he's real. I believe that he's alive because I've experienced the resurrected Jesus. And it's time that I live like I believe that he's defeated death. Not just death for him, but death for me. It's time that we live like we actually believe in the power of the one that we say we believe in. And so what are you afraid of? And maybe a better question would be, what do you have to be afraid of? Like, honestly, what do you have to be afraid of? If death can't beat him, what can? And, and just like he looked at those disciples in that story earlier and he said, why are you afraid? Like, why are you afraid? Don't you have faith? He might look at us and say, hey, don't you realize that I'm in the boat with you? And you don't have to be afraid. Jesus defeated the power of death and he has set us free from fear. John 16, he says, I've told you all this so that you can have peace in me. Peace is the opposite of fear. Here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. In other words, don't be afraid. Take heart because I have overcome the world. He's overcome the world. In other words, he has overcome anything and everything the world could throw at him. And he's overcome anything and everything the world can throw at you. He says in John 14, 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Peace is the opposite of fear. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. The world can give you fear. The world can hand you anxiety. Just turn on the TV, pull up a website, and the headline will be, here's something you ought to be afraid of today. That doesn't come from Jesus. He gives us a gift the world cannot give. It's true peace. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled or afraid because you follow Jesus. And look, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, here's the great thing. You can you can and it's 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 painless it's beautiful it's just surrender and he loves you 
All you gotta do is put your trust in him. And, and maybe for you, it's clicking today for the first time. If that's the case, just pray and receive him. We actually hear this all the time. People will say that they, they've come for the first time and they don't know why, but the moment they walk in the building, they start to feel something. And that's God. And he's telling you that he loves you and wants to know you and you can give your life to him. Now, for those of you, which I imagine is most of us who have given our lives to Jesus maybe years and years ago, just remember who you follow. Don't ever forget how powerful Jesus is. He's so much more powerful than the world. He's more powerful than anything, even death. And if he defeated death, what do you have to be afraid of? The answer is nothing. Someone just yells sharks. I'm like, no, 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 not sharks. The answer is nothing. You have nothing to fear because Jesus has defeated death on your behalf. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna pray and we're gonna finish with one worship song. Now, I'm gonna say this on the front end. I know we don't always finish with the worship song. Sometimes when we do, for a lot of people, that's just a, a mental trigger to go, lunch. All right, and uh, I get it, I get it, and no one's gonna keep you from leaving. The first gathering didn't have an excuse because it was like 9.55, and I'm like, there's no lunch right now, guys. It's past bread. We're in that weird, no one's going to brunch, okay? This song is really intentional and purposeful because it's an opportunity for us on Easter Sunday to allow this to be the day that fear dies in our lives as well. And so we're gonna sing and it's an opportunity as we do that, as we sing together, as we worship one more time together, to, to examine our hearts, to allow the Lord to, to show us maybe if we need the help, maybe it's obvious, maybe it's not, but to allow the Lord to show us any worry, any anxiety that holds us back and just to leave it here, to lay it at his feet and say, Lord, I wanna live fearless. I don't wanna be a slave to this. I don't want this to define me. I want to live my life in response to my resurrected king, my champion. And I want that same fearlessness that the disciples had. And that only happens when they experienced and lived their lives in light of the resurrected Jesus. But we can do that too. All of us can do that too. We can do it right now. So if you don't mind, stand with me and let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Jesus for being our champion, for defeating death, for doing what we could not do. Lord, we love you. We need you. And God, we don't wanna live lives that are, are dominated or even influenced by anxiety, by fear, by worry, by insecurity. So Lord, I pray that as we sing out to you, that you would allow us to deal with that now, to leave it, to drop it behind so that we can walk out of here unafraid of the life that you have before us. And we pray all this in your name, Jesus, amen. You unravel.